Be filled with the Spirit. That's what we've just read. It's the uh, legacy of Pentecost. Um, I hope you don't mind. Uh, I was once a teacher too. Teachers seem to be getting it all today, so enjoy it, those who are teachers. Uh, I used to teach science and, and uh, maths and physics and uh, some scripture, of course. Um, and people used to get bored with just words. They used to say, sir. Yeah, it was good. It's the only people ever called me sir. Um, can we do a practical? Because they used to love tinkering with things. So we're going to do a practical today. I hope that's, for those of you who'd like to do a bit of practical, great. It's coming up. So please don't go to sleep because this, this is what you're going to do in a minute. Right. So we're thinking about Pentecost. Now, I suspect that all of you know about what I would describe as the Pentecost story. We're about to discover one way or another. Okay, if, if I just nod or... So, no, I'll say, if you just move it on for me, that'd be great. So, in Pentecost, the first accounts we get are here in the book of Acts. And this describes the beginning of the church. You all know the story. It's, it's lovely to, to preach on something everybody knows. So we're not going to preach on that. Because, do you realize that Acts is actually describing how the Holy Spirit came into the lives of those individuals, that early church, and the, and the mistakes they made. Do you remember that, that Paul went to one place and the, these people were praising Jesus and he said, there's something not quite, there's something missing. What about the Holy Spirit? And they said, what Holy Spirit? And so what you've got is those very, very beginning days and Acts introduces this whole notion of life in the Spirit to people who had no idea what it was like at all. Now, my question is this. That's fine for beginners and beginnings, but we're long past that. Where in the New Testament would you look for a rounded view of the continuing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church? Any suggestions? Whoops. Scratch. Think. I like the whispering. Just a bit more courage. <laughs> Lots in the pastoral epistle, yes. But you'll find the pastoral epistles are actually responding to a situation. So what you get in those is what we can learn about the Holy Spirit as regards to this concern or that concern. Same with uh, Corinthians. All these stories about the, the church there that has slightly lost the plot in that we're the best will in the world. Well, it's this. It's the letter to the Ephesians. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul actually is not having to deal with lots of problems. And so he stands back and draws together an overview. Here is a great introduction to the life of the Spirit in the life of the church. Who'd have thought it? Well, now, if you go through Ephesians, there are nine key themes that are all associated with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and... Each of those themes is, is like a sort of two or three sermons all in one. So we won't do them all, but um, we'll start. So if we look at it, in the first five, the first five themes are actually the way um, Paul is describing the Holy Spirit and the task the Holy Spirit fulfills. So if you look, uh, we won't look in the text, it'll take too long to turn it over. In chapter one, we get that the Holy Spirit is the seal of it's the deposit. It's the guarantee. It's when you're a Christian, you know you're going to heaven because you've already tasted it now in the life of the Spirit in you. That's your kind of privilege. They are. A whole sermon there, isn't there? More. 
the Spirit gives access to the Father. The number of people who say, I believe in God. And you say, what's God like? Well, I don't know very much. He, he always seems a bit distant. The Holy Spirit is the one that opens the way experientially to know God as Father. The most wonderful Father ever. There's 10 sermons there. Uh, Spirit dwells within the church. We find in the worship of the believers, the life of worship, I don't mean singing now, in that life of worship, the Holy Spirit moves and breathes. Uh, Did you sense it already this morning here? That the Lord is here in our midst and we together encourage one another. And then the Spirit reveals a mystery that the Gentiles included. Nobody could really get that. They really thought that God had special favourites. And you can understand why, but it's more than that. And then the Spirit strengthens with power. And if you know, the word power in the New Testament is the word, what's the Greek word? Dunamis. What word in English do we get from dunamis? Dynamite. So there's your scale. When the Holy Spirit comes in, there's power to change on that sort of scale. Well, those are the first five themes. We've done them. Quick, should we do the next four then? The next four are now to do with uh, the encouragement to an individual Christian. This is what is our responsibility. Okay? In Ephesians, it said we are to keep the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit brings that unity, our responsibility is to keep it going. We're encouraged not to grieve the Spirit. We're encouraged to be filled with the Spirit. And we're encouraged to pray in the Spirit at all times. That comes up. You remember that the armor of God in Ephesians 6? All that great stuff. Well, if you look... I don't know, I, I like little things like this, but it may not light your fire or float your boat. When all the tenses in the language, when you put on the armour, the armour tenses are put on the armour once, put it on now. But the one tense which goes on and on and on is this. When you've got all that armour on, you're standing there decked out looking really special like some of those guys on horses yesterday, gleaming in the sun. Then pray in the spirit, go on praying, keep praying in the spirit. So there we are, nine themes. What I'd like to note, though, that if you look in Ephesians 3, the theme, be filled with the Spirit, that is expounded at length. And the reason is that that is the key. That enables the other things to happen. So we're going to zoom in now one more, and we're going to look at this. This is the heart of life in the Spirit. And it it, it then spreads out into all uh, the rest of that uh, epistle. Do not be drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, you've no doubt heard preachers who talk about glasses of water being full and empty, and if you could have a glass of water and you, and you, ju- you know, juggle it like that, it, it, then it has to be topped up. And they try to use that, that metaphor as a way of saying, the Holy Spirit, uh, what level is the Holy Spirit in you? Is it here, 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 or here? And that you need to be topped up. Well, I think... That can work, but don't forget that that is a metaphor. What is the metaphor saying? Well, just think about it. If you're drunk, who's in control of you when you're drunk? Sorry, when your friend is drunk. Who's in control? It's the beer or the wine or the vodka. It's the alcohol, isn't it? It takes you over. And suddenly, inhibitions disappear and you do things you never thought you would, and so on. The Holy Spirit is being likened to being drunk because it's who's in control of your life. And and to to get it even more precisely, 
what drives you in life? There, that's what, the, what Paul is saying is, what really is important to you? What sets you that this is your focus? Because if that's your focus, that is your focus. And he's saying for a Christian, our focus should be being open to the Holy Spirit, putting the Holy Spirit first, and that everything else uh, will drop into place. And I think if I can just move away from the metaphor and ask that, that principal question, what really drives you? And here are some of the things that I've come across in ministry talking to people. These drive people. Ambition. What really do you get out of bed in the morning for? To see if you can achieve something. For others, it's wealth. It all seems lovely. Do you know people who've got more money than you? Well, I do. Quite a few, actually. I'm not sure. But anyway, we don't know. Seduced by wealth, the idea that once you've got money, you can sort that out. Your life will be better when you've got a bit more. Do you know that? And then when you talk to people who've got money, it seems they never have enough. It's interesting, isn't it? When you've got that much, you all seem you need a bit more. Does that drive you? I was really impressed when I, I heard somebody who was saying, I have a business and it's got to the stage where I want it and I'm not going to expand it and I'm not going to invest any more of my life into it. This business has reached where I want it to be and I'm content so I can do something else with my life. And I thought, there's maturity. Here is a very subtle one. Some people make their family their God. And I have to say this very gently because actually family are very important. They're given to us and we have responsibility toward them. But when people say, my family are coming, therefore I'm not coming to church, I ask myself, did the Lord say don't come to church, in which please don't come to church? Or do you just say, well, no, they're coming. I only see them so often. If you say to them, actually do come and see me on Sunday for lunch, but you realize I'll be at church worshiping the Lord in the morning and then, then we'll have a great time together. It's a witness what is it that's really important? Is your family in the right place in your priorities? Grudges. Well, that's an obvious one, isn't it? Do not hold on to grudges. People who... Um, I thought what was very interesting in that sermon last night, uh, yesterday in the church, did you notice, uh, for those of you who watched the Royal Wedding, uh, um, that the, this American black, for those of you who didn't see it, this black American preacher is clearly used to preaching at length, preaching freely, uh, and preaching as he feels moved. So he started with an iPad. And he had his iPad, and he was almost reading it. And then he suddenly realized, this is a moment. So he, he left his iPad, and he just started off. He went off. He knew roughly where he was going, but he just went off. Love is a power. And off he went. Great black gospel preaching. And uh, one of the commentators, who was an American, said, you know, I feel as if I'm back home in my church in the deep south. Well, what was great about the sermon was how he said how love makes a difference. Where he didn't even get time to develop it was that actually we can't love to make that difference unless God comes into us, into our lives. We need the help. It's like with grudges. You, you, I, I have people I'm still wrestling to forgive and I'm asking the Lord to set me free from that bondage to the fact that they did me down. Or you, now you may recognize that in yourself. The Lord will set us free by the power of the Spirit. The classic, do not be self-centered. Um, are you going to church today? Well, if it suits me. I mean, I've got a lot of things to do, you know. 
Do not worry or be anxious. Now, I think these actually consume our time and our attention, and that is exactly what Paul is saying. We need to recognize and say, these are filling the place where the Holy Spirit needs to fill. He, when he comes in by the Spirit, will help set us free from the bondage to these things. And there may be other things. So that's the first thing that this passage says. The second thing that this little passage says is, again, a, a tense thing. Do not be drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit. And the tense there is be filled. It's a Greek The Greeks have, I don't know why, they've, they've got three tenses for things that happen uh, and two of them are interesting today. One is the one-off tense when it goes, you did this, so be filled with the Spirit, clink, done, tick, move on. The second is, be filled with the Spirit now, right now, and now, and now, and now. And that's called the Greek present continuous. And Paul was saying, be filled with the Spirit again and again and again and again and again. So, was I baptized in the Spirit? Of course I was when I became a Christian. Was I filled with the Spirit? Yes, I was. Lots of times. Are you filled with the Spirit today? Oh, that's a much better question. Much better. There are debates about this and that. But this is really, Pentecost is saying, it's not your MOT in the spiritual life. Have you been filled? Are you open to the Holy Spirit this morning? Have you, have you asked for him as we've sung to fill us again and again, a daily filling? And then finally, the third thing that we're offered is this. Yeah, the next one. Thank you. When the Holy Spirit fills our lives and moves us in our hearts, this is one of the results. We sing to the Lord psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So I was very glad, actually, that Tim got a psalm in today. Isn't that interesting? There are three categories here. Oh, worship band, where are you? And, and we've got them all three today. We've got hymns, we've got spiritual songs, and we've got psalms. Isn't it great to be Catholic, to include all the tradition? These are ways in which, when the Holy Spirit fills us, we express it. There we are. Is that okay? Is that clear? Yeah. So the practical then comes now. What I like to do it suggests that this is now a time for a conversation between you and the Holy Spirit and myself and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have a time now where we're going to do just that. We're going to pause. The service is not going to rush on to the next thing. And I'm just going to invite you to just talk to the Holy Spirit. Express where you are, where you'd love to be with his help. And ask the Holy Spirit to come in now and make a difference now, which will set you up for the rest of today and on. And that's it. It may be, in this time, you find that the Holy Spirit does set you free, and you want to sing. Well, sing. It may be you want to just be quiet. Be quiet. It doesn't really matter. You're in a family who are all of us in our different ways saying, Lord, thank you for loving us. Come more into my life. Be the center of my life. And then, may, as the Holy Spirit, he might speak to you, better, give you a word, he might just quieten you, give you peace. 
It might move you emotionally to tears, but don't forget, emotions are not the heart of the matter. Emotions are the expression of the matter. It's the substance, the heart that counts. You might want to say something particular to you about a job you need to do when you go home, somebody to write to, contact. This is your moment. And we're going to have a genuine five minutes. I know it's not very long. I mean, some services, they spend an hour at this point. But we, but we think of the children down there, and I think we think more of the leaders, actually. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll, when we, I'll draw our time of, in, of prayer together, and we'll move straight into the communion. So as we sit, let us pray. Jesus, thank you that you said you'd give us another counselor just like you to be with us forever, the Spirit, the Paraclete. O Holy Spirit, may this conversation with you now be led by you. Grant us ears to hear, to receive to step out in faith. Saints down the ages have prayed to the Holy Spirit and we draw this time to a close by joining in the words of a prayer St. Augustine wrote, a prayer to the Holy Spirit from something like 1,600 years ago. Let's pray together. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love only what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit. I am